welcome to the Fizzle Show. God, my back, <laughs> my back, my neck, and my back. This is the Fizzle Show, our chance to help freelancers, creatives, and indie entrepreneurs by sharing the nuts and bolts of building a small business that works. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself doing something that you actually care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We're the team over at Fizzle.co. And in this episode, we answer some of our listener questions. You guys are the listeners. A lot of you send in questions. Today, we're going to answer several of them, including one about growing your traffic through guest posting. I bet you're pretty pumped about that one. Well, let me just tell you what. If you're not excited about that, I don't know what I can get you excited about. It's good stuff. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 120. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Hey, everybody. This is a special episode because we're all in the same room, and Barrett's reading his iPad mini because he couldn't be less interested. Well, we just started out of nowhere, so... I think that's a Kindle. That's a, what? an iPad that's mini. A, oh, it's yeah. akin to the Kindle. Kindle. You know what I mean? Carry both. Am I right? I do carry both. I, guys, you'll be proud of me. I brought only one physical book this trip. Oh, really? Because last time you had That's right. You, you had seven. like four biographies, a couple natural histories. Thick. It was terrible. And that That's was for five days. how I roll. He had a, you had two suitcases. One, one of them was just books. books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to know what goes through your mind when you pack like a separate suitcase full of books for a six day work trip. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I might get a, I might get an afternoon of myself. Want to make sure I got the right book. <laughs> Never know what kind of reading mood you're going to be it's in. It's true. It's true. Uh, so today on the show, what I want to do is get into some Q&A. They've been kind of piling up. We've got a lot of people who have sent in voice messages. And Fizzler listener, if you uh, aren't aware of it, you can go to fizzleshow.co slash ask. And you can uh, ask a little question. We've mm. kind of, we've it's been a little while since we've done these. So let's listen to our very first question, which is from Michelle. Hi guys, my name is Michelle Nicolaison. Uh, before I get into my question, I just wanted to say thank you so much for doing the show. It's really great for all the listeners out there. If you haven't at least checked out the Fizzle community, definitely check it out. It is one of the better deals I've ever seen for like 35 bucks a month and there's that $1 trial. It's totally worth it. So my question is that I'm coming from this background as a freelance writer. I'm a freelance writer. I have a full client docket. It's going great and I love it. Um, but I'm also working on a novel. I'm getting ready to start publishing my novel uh, serially. It will be available serially for free, or you can buy the whole book on Amazon, something I'm trying, and that starts next month. And I'm doing a bunch of industry-specific research on how to market it, but one of the things that I was curious about that I thought you guys might have some really great insights on is uh, sort of this mindset shift between marketing something that's super concrete. Uh, like when you're selling to businesses, typically you can be like, my content generates leads. Content marketing in general uh, is a you know you must you've got to have it. There's all this industry research to point to that backs up the sell. But when you're selling to consumers, and specifically when you're selling something that's so intangible, like you know the Wampler pedals, that makes sense too because it's like these are the best pedals on the market. These are great. You know they improve your guitar playing experience. But when you're selling something so concrete as like a novel or as, I don't know, art to hang on your walls or something like that, it's such a big mindset shift. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on sort of how to make that shift successfully and how to how to sell people on your product when you're essentially selling them a good time, at least in my case, and not like that before Chase even gets there. But I just thought you guys might have some interesting commentary on it. And like I said, I am doing industry-specific research, so it's less about book launching specifically so much as I wanted to hear your thoughts on selling something more intangible. Uh, I really appreciate your thoughts. Well, hopefully by the time you guys get this, the site will be up so you can at least check out the teaser at worldslip.net if you want to. Um, but I really would love to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much for doing the show. It's wonderful. Thank you for having a great community. You guys are the bomb.com. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much. Uh, that was uh, that was that was awesome to hear all the things. And by the way, since uh, since she wrote in this question, where we don't even have a one dollar trial anymore, it's for it's free trial, right? It's so well, free for yeah, especially for Fizzle Show listeners, which is fizzle.co slash try five, you get five weeks 
right now. Wait, hold on. But I mean, that's just a... Let's uh, not do this. Normally... <laughs> five weeks on us. <laughs> five weeks on us. Oh, you missed it. We, he tried to start this last time, <laughs> oh, too. Oh, God. So the deal is, uh, we decided that instead of accepting sponsors, we'd rather promote our own thing because we actually make a living from teaching people how to build their own businesses. And so if you've been listening to the show for a long time... And Which I have. a reason to try Fizzle. Which I, I, I have a reason now because it sounds like Michelle was saying some pretty nice things about it. She did. What's she it was... going to be like when I get in? It's going to be beautiful... And all you have to do is go to fizzle.co slash try five. So uh, let's talk about uh, emotional appeal. Yeah. Okay. Is that where you go? Is emotional appeal in that? I think so. Okay. So a uh, resetting the question as I'm hearing it um, is this this mindset shift between selling, selling something that's super concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, what's an example of like a super well, concrete and I don't thing? Know if, I don't know if she means concrete as much as um, something, something that is- There's something with an ROI. Yeah, she's she's talking about selling something that for its entertainment value yeah. essentially versus say we sell fizzle because it has a concrete like help you make know. progress on your business yeah. every single week. Even more specific than that is like start a blog that matters. 13 week course on starting a blog yep. that can actually it's put, going to earn help you accomplish revenue. something as opposed to yep. you're just going to have a good time. Very specific. It has a time-based right. thing. It's every week you do you do a new and, set of things. And she's asking about how do I create content? To attract those people when I'm going to be selling a novel, is that yeah. right? So it sounds like what's well, similar. It sounds like it's it's not just necessarily the content, but just selling in general, marketing in general for something when it is that entertainment based sort of art lifestyle based type of thing. She said she mentioned, um, you know, she said like a novel or something that you like art that you would put on your mm-hmm. walls. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me about this is I, I love the question because the, that that world has existed for forever and we never talk about it. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and because what we're talking about is this very specific sort of like mainly focusing on what in our 10 business archetypes, kind of like the teacher, the course maker type, mm-hmm. right? Who is like, I've got something. Nathan Barry at a conference we were at recently, he had a sh- he was giving away a shirt that said, teach all the things that you know, you know? And it's kind of like that kind of model that we're, that really kind of is taking over the the online world wouldn't you agree that like that's kind of where in some ways we focus what, on teaching right? yeah, the teaching the, the course making the like we know yeah. you can blog and you blog right. around a topic and you, you're you not going to make your living off of ads like you're going to sell a course or some sort of thing right. so it's really a teaching thing there's also and the we do e- talk about that a lot we do right. and even, I, it, even even when it comes to art like when we talked um, on last week's episode yeah. uh, mm-hmm. or two weeks ago about Paul Foxton yeah. we were talking about art but really he's teaching art yeah yeah so and now this question is more like um I want, like, so we wrote a, uh, there was a blog post on the Sparkline a while ago called There Is No That, okay? And it was this great, one of, one, a very popular post of ours. If you haven't read it, read it yet, I'm going to put it in the show notes, um, just making a note of that. And it was written by a guy named Mike Cole, M-Y-K-E Cole. And he does a lot of these fiction books that are, um, if you've ever heard the name Patrick Rothfuss or... Um, Peter V. Brett. I'm reading a bunch of his books right now. These are like new school fiction, interesting, cool stuff. There's a market out there that it, that exists for that. And Mike kind of came from that world and wrote this great article for us. Um, and in some ways, that that what, what I hear from Michelle's question is like, okay, how would Mike Cole or Peter V. Brett or you know uh, J.K. Rowling when she's just getting started or uh, right. Fifty Shades of Grey well, fan I, fiction. I think about um, Hugh McLeod and Amanda Palmer to yeah. people like in art and, and music worlds. And they kind of, but they're, but those two specifically are really mixing a kind of like, almost like self-help, pro, uh, like uh, self-discovery kind of thing with their message. Right? Wouldn't you say? Well, whereas like, yeah. versus like a, you know, I guess Harry Potter I think they're building awareness and trust with people without being direct about the thing that they're selling. And then every once in a while, they come out with something for sale. Yeah. So I think that um, when you're getting started in this kind of... Well, so let's talk from a consumer standpoint, first of all, because we're all consumers of this kind of thing on some level, right? So like I read fiction, you read a ton of fiction, Chase. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have, you know, your wife is an artist, Corbett. You love all kinds of stuff, stuff like we, there's art hanging all over the wall. You just kind of love everything. I don't have a concrete example, like, okay, whatever, you know. She loves fine. to dance. Um, <laughs> she true. does love to dance, but let's not talk about that right now. Uh, and, and so when I go to buy a novel or I go to buy an art piece, it's not because I've been hard pitched on the value it's going to provide into my life. It's that it's interesting to me. It appeals to me on some emotional level. It lets me get lost in a story or it it's aspirational hanging on my wall. So like when we have quotes hanging on the wall that are graphic in nature and we get to like, 
imagine what that means in our life that's powerful for us, right? There's emotional appeal to that. And I think that, that that's really what you're going for when you're selling this kind of thing is I, how do you find the people who it appeals to? I, I think so, except that um, that supposes that you get to evaluate the different books or the different art, like, right. you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know a lot about what's in it, but really you're just going by the jacket cover or right. you're going by, that's a pretty picture, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other pretty pictures. Same thing with there. music, so, right? Right. With music at the same thing. So if you know something about the person behind it, it makes it so much more compelling. Right? That is true, but you have to find them first. Right. And so I think that, that that's kind of like the second part here is, okay, if we step out of individual consumer and realizing that they buy it because it appeals to them, they have to find you somewhere first, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Before you can be their fan, you have to find them. Right. And so I think what's important about that is you have to find the aggregation points of potential customers, the kinds of people who might like the kinds of things that you're doing. By yeah. the way, artists love to talk about aggregation points. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. But, I don't man. know. I hear a pretty common sales misconception in this question, which kind of goes back to this idea that when you're selling, a lot of people feel like, what I hear Michelle saying is, it's easier to sell something when you have a lot of features and benefits that you can point to. And right. You can point to concrete things and say, if you buy X, you get Y. And the problem with that is, this is a kind of like a, a sales thing that I learned that I love, which is everybody's favorite radio station is called WIIFM, which stands for What's In It For Me. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of an easy way that always stuck in my mind to remember that whenever you're selling anything, it's not about all of the ROI necessarily, like that's all great. But unless somebody's making a personal connection with seeing themselves in whatever it is that you're selling that's really what makes somebody click buy yeah so it doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. have to be about the scientific research right. behind why you should buy something as much as as you are you appealing to some what mm -hmm. someone's looking for and what someone needs right and so i think what's important here is i i can't it's hard for me to imagine a world where you're going to blog or podcast about topics and then find people who are going to buy your novel. Maybe that works. And I think she's talking about serially publishing this novel. So kind of putting out chapters ahead of time for people who are following along with her, which is a great way to build a fan base, but you have to go get them somewhere. People aren't going to be searching in Google for the title of your book when they don't even know who you are, or what the book is going well, to be. Well, especially if it's fiction, right? If you're writing right. nonfiction, like our friend Josh Kaufman right. did, exactly. he had a very popular blog about um, mm -hmm. the personal MBA, and then he had a book as well. Totally. Yeah, and I think fiction is just a different, uh, a different game. And so I don't know what those, where people gather to talk about things like new fiction that's coming out or to talk about the but that's latest where, undiscovered that's where author I think or whatever. Looking at examples like Amanda Palmer. Right. Um, Agreed. Where you're basically you're trying to be interesting. You're talking about the kind of life you want to lead. You're talking about the values that mm. you have in life. Um, and it's not all about the work. She does talk a lot about the creative process as well. Right, right. So she's attracting a group of people who are just into what it's like to be a creator. And uh, and then those people are big fans of her work and they buy it right. when it comes out. So so, and a, so I guess we'll point to an article that we've probably pointed to a thousand times over the years. And that's the Thousand True Fans article by Kevin Kelly. I mm -hmm. think yeah. that's specific to art. And it's all about how do I get a thousand people who get where I'm coming from and my writing appeals to them and make them my fan base that's going to spread the work for me. Yeah. And I think in many cases, like Chase told me about a book called Ready Player One recently. And, and then I heard about it from like three other friends and that's how art like this spreads, I think is somebody connects with you, they enjoy your work, they share it with a friend, but you've got to have like a good base of people who understand what you're trying to accomplish or connect with you personally to help spread that for you. Mm -hmm. I like it. Okay. So, and, and closing on, on Michelle's question for me, it's the, 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 the two words that are standing out from all of this is when Steph said personal connection, mm. that to me is like, okay, how do I... And and I guess smashing that up with this thousand true fans idea or the idea of a tribe, like you have a right. tribe of people that listen to your thing. <clears throat> the problem is that that just takes a time to build. Right. You know. Now I'm 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 looking at her site right now, which I'll put in the show notes, WorldSlip.net, and um, you know the the right on the sidebar, it's like get new chapters in your inbox. And Josh Kaufman was just telling me about a book called Worm that was sort of published this way and apparently it's massive. It's like 14, you know, huge books basically in one, but it's all available for free and he just kind of did it. Uh, he did two chapters every week for a while and it ended up, I, I think, why did it get big? I, it sounds like it was, it's really, really, really good. Yeah. Right? So, um, we were talking, and we were talking last night, like someone was bringing up, uh, a, a person we didn't really know very well was bringing up uh, some pretty harsh uh, criticisms about about the uh, following your passion. It was a big debate. Should you do that? Shouldn't you do that? And the only the only 
takeaway from that whole conversation is simply, uh, well, don't follow your passion if there's no place where it intersects uh, a market. You know what I mean? If there's no market demand for that kind of thing. If your goal is for other people to interact with your passion. Right. And here, in this case... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about about specifically specifically about a a business... When you're doing something that you're hoping to earn some revenue from, right? So, but that... So, personal connection, meaning who out there is personally connecting with with you through your work. Yeah, probably. well, and why are they reading it? Like, w- yeah. what's the point? You know, right. if we, somebody mentioned J.K. Rowling, like, why did people read Harry Potter? There's a bunch of different reasons. Well, wizards, number w- one. Wizards, for sure. But people wanted a good book to read to their kids. They wanted mm-hmm. to stoke imagination. So I would say get to the bottom of why somebody right. would read it. But so looking at this, just so there's, I think we're having a debate here whether or not she should write directly about her art or her book, or if she should write about some something that's sort of tangentially related that she can build a fan base around and then say, hey, I have a book, by the way, or talk about it in, in that right. context. And I don't think um, there's necessarily a right there's answer. Not, there's there not isn't. a right answer. I, I tend towards the the latter because then you can use that when you come out with a new work. Right, right, right. Now, she's chosen to go directly, it looks like, with a website about a specific book that she's working on right now. And I don't think there's any debate probably among us that she could do a lot to make this more appealing, this specific page. Because when you look at it, um, there is just a logo at the top and the name of the uh, book, which is called World Slip. And that doesn't tell me anything about it. So maybe she has a fan base already who knows what this book is and they're coming here for a reason. But if I just land on this page, yeah. I, I don't know what it is and I'm moving on. Yeah. So she needs to do a better job of unpacking this and explaining to people. Yeah, there needs to be a hook. Now, yeah. specifically, her question is about this mindset shift mm-hmm. from selling concrete things to selling... Um, uh, more of like, um, I, wh- wh- however else, like a softer thing. I don't know. There's very concrete and there's very soft things. I don't know. Um, and, you know, Michelle, my idea on that is your work right now is probably to write this book, is to earn money somewhere else and write this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that, because you're going to be, you're, you're probably going to be really glad that you wrote this book. I think and when you look back in 10 years and go like, we, we were at, we were at WDS, this conference and, uh, sitting at a table with a few people, uh, a couple of them I admire greatly. And someone mentioned a video that I made a long time ago called Herrick Dalpern of Social Riggers, which is a parody of a of a larger blogger. And one of them had never seen it. And uh, <laughs> and it was actually a ton of joy for me to watch them pull it up on the right. phone, watch it, laughing their arses off. It was great. It made me feel, you know, not just proud, but also like, I'm really glad I wasted a night doing that. And in some ways, I think we can, you, worst case scenario, Michelle, is you look back and go, I'm really glad I wasted invested time in, in making this thing, regardless of what it ended up being. Because I think in some ways, when you want to, if you want to write a successful book, like you got to plan on writing 10, and one of them could probably, or the combined sales of five could add up to something. Right. And you know? um, regardless, if we're talking about art or something concrete, the same rules apply in that she should be talking to people about this, not just putting it out there and, yeah. and hoping for the best. She should be looking over someone's shoulder while they look at this website. And I think you're out. right about like a simple subhead that's like, you know, a a 45 chapter a 45 chapter series on on whatever the 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 subject is on, you know, a woman trying to find her way into something like that or a, a young boy, you know, who uh, and his and his wild sexual escapades. Michelle, suffice it to say I do not know what you're writing about. <laughs> so, but those those are the things that I want to hear about. Two more quick things on just on the website. I love the idea of it being published serially, and I almost it would almost appeal more to me if the navigation were chapters as they're released. And so it's like you just start with prologue and move across. And the call to action is rather than comments or whatever, it's send me feedback, send me how this chapter made you feel and to find out what's appealing to people in the writing of the book. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that though. I see, I would go, cause I want her to go, I want to go inside Michelle. Like I want to see what's inside of, of her. You can make an eye. It's weird. It seems weird that you would, uh, what I mean by that clearly is I want to know what's living in her brains and I want her to tell me her tell me the story as she sees it. Really, that's what that's what I'm looking for in this. Mm. Now, you could do a lot of market research. What's selling on Amazon? What's selling over here? Oh, <laughs> turns out I, one of my favorite podcasts, Roderick on the Line. Turns out everybody likes vampires and princesses. Let's do a series on vampire princesses. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. It's like you can you can do stuff like that if you and, and if you want to bring the smart sort of marketing edge into it. But there all there also is like I mean we're all fantasizing about this part in us that like actually has something to say and is and is is welcomed 
without its headlines, without its like you know optimization and stuff like that. It's just like oh, actually that was a really interesting idea that nobody else has had before because it's something very specific to you. So, Michelle, got a lot of ideas for you. Uh, be yourself and make good choices. And I think you're doing a great job, though. I think if I were to do one thing, it would be it's one thing up top. So tell me, give me like the sex appeal on what this book's about and why on earth I would want to follow a chapter a, a week. And you know? put, put your picture up there. You know, it's yeah. it's infinitely more interesting when there's a human behind mm-hmm. it. Okay, we got another question here from Chloe. My name's Chloe. I'm from Vancouver, BC, Canada. And I quit my job as a high school English teacher two years ago um, in order to become a full-time writer. I'm currently traveling through the south of France writing my first novel. And I do SEO copywriting on a freelance basis to pay the bills and keep uh, being able to live this dream. And my question's about branding. I've decided that I I want to start a blog in order to get my writing out there and start getting some feedback. Um, but personal writing, um, things that I, topics that I, I'm personally interested in and completely, not completely unrelated from my fiction writing, um, but more personal. And I'm not sure what to call this blog. And I'm really struggling coming up with a name, kind of the branding for it. And as a result, I haven't published anything. I want to keep it separate from just my name.com because for me, my novel is going to be written under my name. And this I'll be writing under my name, but I want to have some sort of catchy, catchy branding for it. And I really don't know where to start. And I'm wondering, does it make sense to just start publishing thing on, uh, under a domain name just to start getting it out there and maybe the name will come? Or if you have some tips um, on how to come up with the name for my big blog, I guess it's like naming a product or whatever. I'm putting so much pressure on myself and it's uh, I'm getting nowhere. Any, any advice you have would be great. Um, I love listening to you guys. Um, you're so inspiring and so helpful. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much, Chloe. All right, so we got a naming question, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, so it's almost an kind extension of. of the last question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind uh, of a naming question. Yeah. I think... I think uh, did, she, did she say that she knows what she's going to blog about? Um, she, she was, I think, intentionally vague on that. She said top pers- topics that are personally interesting to her. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so, not directly related to, to me. Her. By the way, when she said, I'm traveling through the south of France to write my first novel, it was like, ding, 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 that's mm. interesting. Mm. Right? <laughs> a lot of people would be into that. Yeah, right. Yeah, actually, that, that is that is interesting. That's, so, a, that's a story worth telling. So uh, I heard the story from a friend at this conference we were at. So whatever, there will be four weeks or something where we talk about this conference we were at, and I'm sorry. But uh, he was telling a story about uh, this question that he read in a site that he runs. And it was from a person who was trying to consider whether he should continue running or take over the business that his dad had run. And it was a shoe manufacturer or something like this. So it was a manufacturing business. His dad was the CEO. And so his dad was trying to groom him to become the CEO of the company and take it over. And so this was a guy who was interested in being an entrepreneur, but inherent in his question was, but I don't really like that business and I don't really know if I want to do that, should I do it? And so it was almost like he was trying to get off the hook from building that business and uh, walking into perhaps the best business opportunity he might ever see to run something successful that's already out there and has customers. So the reason I share that story is there was this built-in assumption in the question that said, should I do this, but I don't really want to. In this question, I hear that same kind of thread when she says, I don't want to use my name because I'm going to use that for my fiction writing. And I think that that's a false assumption. I don't think you have to rule out writing under your name just because your fiction work is going to be under that same name. And it sounds like the number one thing holding you back is coming up with something catchy and cool and kitschy or whatever. And the easiest way to start writing would be to put first name, last name.com and get going. Mm -hmm. On that that point, I think I would would take it and turn it a little bit. I think what Chloe's struggling with, or if I was in Chloe's shoes, what I would be struggling with, what I have struggled with in the past is is not having clarity about what this yeah. thing I'm about to do is for. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind right. of use or value I'm going to And that's provide. why it's so hard to come up I'm with just going to, so for me, like, yeah, and that's why it was, and it was always that. And a lot of us do that. I mean, we all, we all, we create this bag think, of things that we could just yeah. fill it up. Well, think about say? how easy it was for you when you started Father Apprentice versus yeah. other blogs that you had started. Right to mean versus Father Apprentice. It's, it's like, like, oh, I have yeah. a purpose now. And another way to do this, by the way, Chloe, uh, is just simply using Medium. Um, for a time, that's true. Bummer is you're not you're not owning your domain and things like that. But the exciting thing is that start it's, it's developing its own thing. It's fun to write in. It's really easy to share. And here's it's, an interesting idea, right? When you write at Medium, it by default is under your own name. Yeah, right. You know, and people are so hesitant to start a blog under their own name for some reason. Yeah. 
but it's kind yeah, of yeah. I think what I love about it is it it is your body of work when it's under your name. It mm-hmm. it is your process of growing as a business person, as a writer, as a whatever you want to be when you grow up, and and part of it I think is that we shy away from doing the work in public under our own name because we don't know if we want to own it in the future. Yeah, and. That's just part of learning where you're going, I think, is being willing to publish things publicly and own them because we all go through that process of exploring ideas and finding the threads that appeal mm-hmm. to us and then using those for yeah. a new project. And I, could, I, I mean, if you're that concerned, you could use a pen name. I mean, yeah. that's totally possible. Right. Yeah. If you just want to feel what it's like to write publicly, but you don't want to you know, be in the, the spotlight. Yep. Okay, so what I'm hearing from you, Barrett, is just uh, is A... It, just use your name and start writing because that's what's going to have mattered is how much things you've written. Right. Um, and what I'm saying is maybe there's a very specific thing you can focus mm-hmm. on. Get clarity and, on uh, who this is for. Usefulness, value. It's like, I'm going to teach you how to X or whatever. Or even not even that. It's like, I am going to journal about my traveling through France while I write my novel yep. or whatever. Yep. And all of these things, all of these kinds of ideas are going to feel limiting. They all do. Yep, they all they it, like you. Like I've said before, you are a Rorschach test, three D, three dimensional, like crazy explosion of interests and and experiences, talents, and you're multi dimensional, multi potential at all of these things. And when you pick a topic or a niche or something that try to focus on, when you try to limit yourself to this is the thing that I'm doing. You are trying to two dimensionalize, almost one dimensionalize yourself. Because there's a lot that's not going to be represented by that thing, right? Yeah. So, but it's you got to do it but anyway. You have so much latitude once it, once you're in, once you get to move around, and put a stake in the ground. You have so much latitude yeah. to write about whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Um, just like we do on this podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. All right. Anything else for Chloe, guys? We're wishing you all the best, Chloe. Now let's get into another one from Heath Armstrong. Well, hi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Yo, 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 this is Heath Armstrong from the Entrepreneur Now podcast and artsynow.com. I'm a new member to your community online and a long time, long time lover and follower of the Fizzle podcast. So much inspiration. I can't tell you how much I love listening to your show and the value that you all bring and especially the humor. I mean, it just, it pairs in so nicely, but I've also got a question uh, for somebody who has a full-time day job where I'm driving eight to 10 hours a day. And I've also kickstarted this podcast, which is doing very well as far as building the network that I wanted out of it, uh, which was my overall goal. Cause I do interview people that are doing creative things all over the world. And, and it's a fantastic way to actually build those relationships um, I'm also doing websites on the side for small businesses. I'm, I'm diddling into learning app development. But when I've sat down and really listened to all the things that you all teach and then from other mentors and coaches that I have, the, the most effective way to, to build an audience and to get to the point where I want to be of being able to leave my day job and kind of supplementing that income is is for my website in particular and growing my email list I'm starting to think that guest posting might be the most effective thing, but I've never really been able to find a, an exact method of how you get how you get these people to, to say yes to you in your guest posts. I'm a, I'm a pretty good writer um, after I send it away for grammar and editing, <laughs> because before that, wow, you think a third grader wrote it, but I have some pretty good writing skills, and I, and I think that I have value to offer back to somebody. But do you all have a set standard or an outline that you all use as far as approaching guests, getting them to say yes, and then making sure they get value in return? Thanks a lot again, guys, for everything you do. And (laughs) (laughs) ta-ta! Wow. Heath is really bringing the spark. I like that. Heath is Um, pumped. One of the things that I've seen recently... uh, and I think this is, I finally realized it. You know, there's a big trend in this blog world about these, you know, quote unquote scripts that you can use as mm-hmm. email scripts to, to whatever, you know, take advantage of someone's psychology and use NLP and this, that, and the other. A lot of Ramit Sethi type stuff to, to get what you want out of someone. And what they are is they're a way to fake as if you're, you were actually friends with this person, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're actually friends with this person or with someone, if you were actually friends with someone that they knew, that in, all of that's taken care of. 
in one simple introduction uh, and something like that. But most of us, we don't start with this built-in list of of friends, a Rolodex of, of relationships. We, we have to kind of scrappy from nothing stuff. In my experience, I've sent a lot of emails like this with very little uh, success. And in some ways, the only times it was successful was when I've interacted with those people in person uh, and then in person again and then like kind of just being around enough to over the course of three years, it's like, oh, now it's happened. If you can have a three-year view on growing your business or growing your network, you're going to be great because you can say, I'm going to do two conferences a year. I'm going to hang out with people. I'm going to get them on. I'm going to start up an interview podcast just to interview people. Yep. I'm going to do a handful of things and I'm going to have my list of 25 names of people that I really admire online or whatever, right? So yep. there's this long view. Yep. The problem comes when we try to do that long thing in an email or in a month, right? Or in a short amount of compressed time where, guess what? You know, Seth Godin must get a ton of emails because I'm getting a lot of emails, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from uh, from people like trying to guest post on Sparkline or all this other stuff. And I would love to be able to put people on the map and support and all that other stuff. But right. like, that's like, but, we, we got we to, gotta, we got a business. To right, right, absolutely. So there's some level of, there's just so many people out there and very few opportunities. Yeah. But, that's not to say that even if you don't have friends in high places, um, that you can't get some guest post places. This happens all the time. Our yep. friend John Corcoran, who's a Fizzle member, um, he landed a guest posting spot at The Art of Manliness because, and he didn't know Brett, and I'm sure that Brett gets tons and tons of requests, like yeah. hundreds every week. Um, he just had a really compelling pitch. And the way you do that is you know the blog that you're writing Inside mm-hmm. and out, you yeah. know what they're looking for. Um, you know something about whether or not they take guest posts and what kind of guest posts they take. And um, and you're a really good writer and you do your homework and you make a pitch. That's and by the specific. way, really good writer means like, oh, this makes sense. I'm not lost. You're not talking about something that's inane. I can see how my audience would like this. It doesn't mean you're freaking Hemingway, right? Right. And so I I prefer when someone writes us with a post. And we don't yeah. we don't really run guest posts, so I'm not asking for people to yeah. send us these. If you do, um, it won't get won't get published. We do occasionally, but usually it's because we reach out to someone we right. know and we ask them specifically yep. to do it. But I prefer when someone sends an actual post or a really good outline of a post. I I don't like it when somebody writes in and says, "I would love to write a guest post for you." Here's a couple of ideas. Yeah. Unless I know, you know, unless it's a friend and we know they're a good writer. Yeah. If it's somebody we don't know, you need to see an example of their writing in order to judge. Otherwise, it's just going to get filed away or they get yep. polite. And another thing I would say is, I mean, Jeff Goins said this recently where he was like, I just I just decided to be to be around for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Like kind of always kind of be there on their blog. There's a comment, not on right. every post maybe, yeah. but like, but like, oh, you know what? Link. And now, and now, not with a link. And you're just saying, oh, this reminds me of that great post you wrote yeah. a while ago. And then you link to their posts and in their on, comment. And on you know Twitter I mean? as well, right? On Twitter, you're sharing things, but you're not annoying. It makes right. it a, it makes it more of a warm introduction yep. when somebody's seen you on social media. Because what we're all looking for is just like, oh, this person, I think he, I think he or she gets it. Yeah. Right. I think they get it. I think. And they're, they're not going to burn me. And ultimately that's, that's what yeah. it's about is they're not going to use me and burn me and make me look bad in the future. Right. Because, it's a big part of because it. the worst part is when somebody's a good writer and then you get the post from them and it's good, but then it's like there's this really thinly veiled hardcore sales pitch yeah, you know, right. and, the, and they want to link 50 times in the article to their own stuff. Right. Yeah, so, it, it's it's sleazy. So one technique that I've liked and I've seen work really well is to use kind of a two-step email process where the first commitment you're asking for from the person you're emailing is just permission to send ideas. Mm-hmm. So maybe you've done this like Twitter exchange and commenting and all of this. And so maybe they'll recognize your name. And I love the idea of doing the research first, knowing that they accept guest posts ahead of time and sending the first email to say, hey, you know, we've spoken back and forth some. I really admire your site. I would love to write a great article that provides value back to your readers or however you frame that. Mm-hmm. Would you mind if I send along a couple of detailed ideas that I have that I think would be good for your site? And now I would take it one step further. So I've gotten like eight of those recently. Yep. And it's just, it always just feels like just some like, just you're on a list of 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 25 people, and I should be right. I, like that's what you should do is have mm-hmm. a list of 25 people that you're doing something like that for. But what you could have done is you could have said you wrote this four months ago, and then this 
recently, and both of those were great. There's this place right in the middle that I find myself asking questions. Mm-hmm. So I talked to these four people and got their answers to X, Y, and Z, or whatever. Like where you can say, I think a post on this would be good. I've already reached out to a few of my friends uh, for some research on X or whatever. Right? Just give me a, like entice me with it. You know, with saying like, you know, I've already done just a little bit of research. I yeah, know your audience. I know your That's the other thing. thing. If you can say, um, I'd love to write a guest post for you. You know, here's an outline. I think this would fit because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I just wrote a post for so-and-so mm. and it went really well. You can see the stats here or whatever. Yeah. You I think know, some, I, social proof. I think that's asking a lot in one email. All I know is that it, when I get a, yeah. a novel in the first email, I usually archive well, it. Well, it can't was, be a novel. Can't be a novel. four sentences, what I just said. Yeah. The outline is is like really, really like brutal, dry. You know, you, you just click it. It's a Google Doc already. It's a Google Doc, all right? It's not a Word document, you guys. Yeah. It's not a freaking Word doc, all right? This is not dot D-O-T-X <laughs> or whatever or Word. What is, what is the word? Doc, D-O-C-X. D-O-C-X. See, I don't even want to know. So suffice it to say, um, there's a lot of this going around and everybody that you would want to to put a guest post on their site, they're getting a ton of people reaching out to them about it. So can you expand your vision and see the long long view on this and allow this relationship to take three years? And so that means like yeah. for the next year, you're just kind of showing up in a few places that they are consistently. And, and you know, I wouldn't even say you're providing value so much as you are just saying like, that was a good joke. That was a good post. That reminded me of this other thing that you wrote over here. You're, you know, whatever. Doing things like that. Because now you're a face with someone who like gets my joke. And I've seen this happen with a handful of people where it's like, it just creeps up on you. Like the sense that I know this person just kind of creeps up out of nowhere. Right. You know, and in a good way. It doesn't take that much. It does not take that much. Yeah. That's why I think maybe going for some low hanging fruit first makes Mm -hmm. sense. You know, maybe even come up with a list. If you sit down and make like a dream list of websites you'd like to guest post on and divide them into A, B, and C, C being the easiest to get on and Mm -hmm. A being like your wish list. Start with the C people Mm -hmm. and experiment and make some friends and figure out what works. Because I will say I get a lot of these emails just being, you know, doing what I do on the Fizzle team. And the worst thing, you can really do a lot of damage if you approach this in a way that's not smart. So as an example, I recently had someone reach out and say, you know, um, we're food bloggers and we would love for you to talk about our cookbook. And I was just like, I'm, Are you I'm, kidding me? You Let's don't talk get about to all the ways that's yeah. not yeah. helpful. Yeah, and for you don't get to approach right. me again because now I'm going to remember you, mm-hmm. and you're never going to publish a, a post yes. on our site now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the, the the A-list people that you want to get after, or whatever you call it, I guess A-list. It was a list, yep. and there were people in the A <laughs> sure. category. Yeah. Um, those people that you want to get, you know, exposure to eventually, you have to wait patiently, and you have to nurture yep. those relationships. I remember um, I wanted to write for Zen Habits a long time ago before I knew Leo, and I did the same thing you were talking about, like, you know, posted a lot of comments and interacted mm-hmm. with him, um, got to know people that he knew a little bit. Yep. And then I was just following him on Twitter one day and he was talking publicly with someone about writing a guest post. And I used that opportunity to say, oh, hey, I heard you're looking for guest posters. I would love to write for you, blah, blah, blah. And and it worked out and I ended mm. up getting a thing. It reminds me also of Joseph Michael and Learn Scrivener Fast, which yeah. um, we wrote a whole post about a couple of weeks ago. I'll put that in the show notes. For he sure. did the same thing with Michael Hyatt. You know, he just he waited very patiently, and the right opportunity came along yep. where he could provide value. Sure, yeah. and yeah. it's the same story I had with you, Corbett. Like we had a long history of interactions before we met, and then we met several times before I wanted to join the team. Like there, so yeah. you mm-hmm. can look at a hundred examples on this, and the key is don't burn bridges before you've even built them and don't try and use people when you haven't provided value already. Mm -hmm. And a big part of this, I think, is take a step back and ask yourself, have I done good enough work already somewhere else that would prove that I'm capable of writing for these people to begin with? If you haven't written an article on your own site that's resonated deeply with people or on Medium or somewhere to prove that you're capable of writing something worth reading, maybe go focus on that first and then get into some of this stuff. So I'm not saying that that's the problem here. I'm just saying that if you're thinking about guest posting, make sure you've got examples of good work that will help you get it. All right, let's get on to the next one here. We have got a question from Sean. Hi, my name is Sean. Um, I'm from London in the UK, if you can't tell. Um, I run a website called my3beauties.com. I've been online for about a month now, and um, I don't know when panic should set in, but I'm yet to have my first sale. I think I'm doing all the right things. I'm blogging, I'm, I'm creating landing pages as we speak. And uh, I just want, really want to know how long you should expect to wait for your first sale and, and when should genuine panic start in rather than kind of like first date nerves 
but more than anything. Um, also, I'm drop shipping most of my products at the minute, and from multiple drop shippers, and, and just trying to work out what's the best way to go about working out posting and packaging, because the margins are, are thin. They're, they're there or thereabouts. It's about fifteen to thirty percent in most products, but things start to get a, a wee bit complicated as and when people start selecting um, from different vendors on the site. So before I've had my first customer, I'm, I'm just trying to think this through to see what would be the best way to do it and how the best way to price it. Um, I'd appreciate it if you answer the, my questions if possible. Um, thanks very much. All right, take care. Bye. All right, so let's make sure we got the website first. My3beauties.com. Three is spelled out. I've got it up. So, oh, no, three actually, is three, three is the number, actually. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for the question, Sean. Love our listeners from the UK. You just listen to these guys talk all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, ask me some more questions, Sean. Yep. So so there were a couple questions built in here, right? One was, I've been around for a few months and I haven't had a sale yet. So yep. that's the first one. And the second one is, I've got multiple drop shippers and things can get complicated when to a customer, it looks like they're placing one order. To my business, it's actually coming from multiple drop shippers and costing me more money as a result. Yeah. Um. So the first thing I want to say is, Three months is not a very long time as far as running a business and like playing the long game and building something that's going to be successful and sustainable for you. So it's definitely not time to freak out yet, I don't think. Um, we don't know a lot about what you've been doing to market the site. It looks great and looks like good design. It looks like you have a clear target market for who you're going after. Um, and you have a clear business model, which is selling products and they're not your products that you're manufacturing, I don't think. I think they're someone else's. So we know all of that stuff. And so my initial point is just definitely don't freak out yet. Well, and and for the first question about should I freak out or, you know, when should I expect a sale? I would just break it down and say how many people are visiting the website, you know? And if you've had like thousands of people visit the site and you haven't made a sale, then you should be concerned. Either you're attracting the wrong kinds of people or um, you are reaching your target market and they're just not interested in the products or the pricing or something. And in that case, you know, that's where we advocate that you try to speak with potential customers directly so you can find out what's going on because it's so hard to know by looking at just traffic numbers, you know, okay, I had a thousand people come by the site. What did they do on the site and why don't they like this? And that's where I can see he's got the little talk with us customer service thing down at the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, that's great. That helps. Um, but, you know, there are other tools that you can use, heat maps, and things to kind of get a sense for what people are doing on the site. That's really it. He needs to start diagnosing this. Like, why am I not making sales? Is it because there aren't enough people or they're the wrong kinds of people or they're the right kinds of people, but they're not interested for some reason? Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good actually clarifier though. You know, the, to diagnose it between these three scenarios. Are there any, is there enough people coming to the site? Because a lot of people have a great sales page, but not enough people come to the site so they can't. So, so you need a hundred people to, for one to sell one potentially, right? You might need a thousand to sell one, depending on the price point and all that other stuff. <clears throat> so, is there enough people coming? If not, then that's a you know marketing problem, mm -hmm. right? Is is the site broken? Are they landing here and and it doesn't feel like the kinds of place that they want to buy from, the kind of products that they're looking for? So, are they? Is it the wrong? Actually, the second one is the wrong kind of person. Mm -hmm. Like, am I getting a lot of people here, but none of them are actually interested in beauty products like this, right? And then the third, and if that's if that's your problem, then we got to try to find get other people, Attract the right them. the right people yeah. to find us. I was looking through the blog, and there's there's no no comments really on anything except for there's one uh, there's four on the pregnancy hair care regime post, but they're all sp spam comments. Mm -hmm. um, and then there you is delete the spam comments. There is one it looks on like a ghost town. If you leave those in there, <laughs> there is one on on uh, another uh, on another post. But there's not a, there's not much engagement on the blog. Right. So I mean, and and when you when you come to this homepage, it's an e-commerce shop, right? We're yep. selling shampoo. He's like he's saying he's got the drop shipping going on 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 the beanies and shampoos and beauty products and things like that. And so this is the kind of thing that takes a lot a while to to build. I mean, you're not gonna right. you're not gonna be ranking for a lot of you know, totally content. So stuff. the other thing is like people don't walk around saying I need a new provider for shampoo every mm -hmm. day. Um, further, when I look in the footer and it says our mission is simple, customers first, love the products, affordable prices. It, it sounds like Walmart to me. And so maybe you're trying to be Walmart and that's fine. And if that's your value proposition, then you're going to need a lot of reach, a lot of traffic, a lot of 
sales to make that the value proposition that appeals to people. So contrast that with something like honest.com, which Jessica Alba started. She's got a very clear value proposition, a very clear group of people she's going after. She's banned all these chemicals from her products. They manufacture them themselves. Mm -hmm. You can get a subscription. You know, she's targeting. Oh, she started honest. Yeah. She's. Oh, wow. That's it's a billion dollar company now because it's clear the value proposition it's Mm -hmm. you can go buy all of these things with chemicals and things that aren't good for you or you can buy our products and we do all the hard work up front to make sure you get none of that in any of it and we'll send you a box every month for an affordable price yep that's a value proposition and i think there's a story there that allows me to identify with it and makes me want to shop there i don't see that here okay but he he does have a target market this is for afro mixed and curly hair right and um, you're saying that's not enough. I'm saying, no, I'm saying that could be enough, but the story is not prominent enough. So it's, it's products up front and a blog that doesn't necessarily tell that story all the way. And the About Us page is not very developed in the way it's communicating that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think a great example of this is Curlbox. I don't know if you guys know about curlbox.com. Um, Sean, if you're not familiar, you should definitely check it out. Um, someone named Myleek Teal created this and it's become an explosive brand that people are really addicted to. So it's very similar. It's for um, African-American customers primarily. And you'd receive a box every month with um, different sort of curated products. Um, And I think that the value prop there, like Barrett was saying, is people love this idea of, you know, having someone put together something of value for them and then receiving it and getting to try it out. Mm So I think Crawlbox is a really great example. (laughs) I know my leak has had a lot of success and this thing has really taken off. So there's probably a few lessons in there for sure in terms of how she built this. Nice. And then in terms of the the shipping question, I mean, um, when you're just starting out, you probably have to you have to build it into your pricing. You right. can't afford to lose money. Right. Yeah. So it means either making your prices look lower by excluding the shipping and then charging people separately. Um, or if you think you can get away with higher prices and you include the shipping, but uh, it's, you know, I think you have totally. to just look and see what other people are doing right. and, and, and try it. Both you have ways. to get people addicted to it the way that, you yeah. know, a stitch fix or a birch box or all these different things where people right. are, you know, they come to expect a certain level of quality. They know what to expect and they love the products that are being sent to them. Right. And the thing is, every one of your customers is currently buying some form of these products somewhere else. True. And mm-hmm. so you're asking them to change their current behavior to become and your customer. And the question customer. is why? Exactly. Why You've got that? to give them a reason to change yep. that's low risk and that puts the onus on you yeah, and I to think, build the business. Yeah, to get back to your other point, to say that you know this is for a certain kind of hair, it, that's one value proposition, but they're probably already familiar with some shops right. that cater to their hair type. Yep. So... Um, it seems like you need something else. And maybe mm-hmm. that's where the monthly subscription or maybe saying, you know, um, products for this hair type and we make sure that it's, you know, vetted, you know, by our experts yep. and, you know, there are no bad stuff in it or whatever. Totally, totally. And and so my biggest point here is tell more of a story around why I choose you over whatever mm-hmm. else I'm choosing. Yep. Yep. Okay, Sean. Hopefully that helps, man. Uh, Keep on rocking in the free world out there in the UK. Here's another one from Mia, and we'll close on this one. Okay, guys, we got to get through this rapid fire. All right. Okay. Hello, Fizzlers. This is Mia Sherwood Landau at MiaSherwoodLandau.com. Enjoy your show, your wisdom, uh, probably more than your humor. (laughs) But I have a question, and that is... um, Mobile, everything, we, well, we all have to go mobile. So those of us that love words and even those of us, especially those of us whose business is words, have to use less of them. Our words have to be more concise and more meaningful to our audience. To show up on mobile websites and, in fact, what you might call our digital mobile thinking we're thinking in sound bites now so i'd really love to hear you talk about that thank you so the trite advice here is sign up for squarespace and do everything you're doing currently um that sounds like i'm being a jerk but on some level like that that is as simple as it needs to be because they're optimized for mobile exactly and so you you literally would not have to change anything other than where your website is coming from Mm mm-hmm And I'm not convinced that less words is the answer to mobile either. I think that interesting words are the answer to all of online right now because people are choosing between so many different places to get words from. Um, 
but I wouldn't build in that assumption that you must have less words and this must change the way your business is operating other than there's some technology changes that might need to be made. So I think, yeah, in some ways what I'm hearing from Mia is, uh, is just kind of like really more of the, the, the bits about the sound bites. Are we thinking in sound bites now? Mm-hmm. And now do I have to, do I have to limit myself to, to a sound bite? And I think it's a great, it's a great comment. It's a great point because yeah, we are, we're in a, she says like a mobile thinking culture, kind of this idea of speed, you know, small bites. I actually do have one of these little icons on the board that just has a drawing of a microphone with a bite taken out of it. Just to remind, remind me because like there's a friend I have called Josh Ship, who's a pro- pro- professional speaker. All right. He's traveled around the world and spoken millions of places and makes millions of dollars doing it. And, uh, and what, what I watch him do, because we love to riff and talk and hang out and chat all the time, but what I watch him do is when he gets on stage, he has a soundbite for everything. Like he, and he's, he knows that he's going to do these four bits, and they all end with these four like rhyming sort of things, because that's how people remember stuff. That's not now. That's not just like a new thing. It's always been that way. Mm-hmm. We might have had a little bit longer sound bites, you know. 2000 years ago. Yeah, but like if so if you're David Foster Wallace, I'm not going to tell you to shorten the number of words you use. Yeah. That's your shtick. That's right? it's, it's and and I want to go I don't want to go deep in into it, right? Yeah. But if you if you're using a lot of words because you don't know what you're saying, then Right, it, it reminds me of the quote uh about I would have written a shorter letter had I had the time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Exactly. Um so and and with regards to mobile, we don't we don't worry too much about that. We worry that our website is visible over mobile yep. and you might look at your site on mobile and realize that, oh, those like three word navigation titles are too long. Yeah. Um, and so you might change some things that way specifically, but otherwise we don't say I need to write fewer sentences because this might appear on mobile. Yep. We try to get the point out and make it useful. Yep. And we also try to make it as short as possible given, you know, the same useful. Yeah. The whole right? point of it is clarity. What are you saying? Communicate that to me. Right. Change my life with an idea that you've communicated, right? Not the, like, it's not going to be most of us online. You're not going to win me over because you're, you're better at putting together sentences. And this is one of those things. It's like, it's, it's fine for us to think about and, and talk about and address or whatever. Yeah. It's the completely wrong thing to be worried about. Mm. Like you should be worrying about whether or not you're having an impact on people. You should be worrying about whether or not you, what you're trying to make is something that people want. Yeah. And, and if they're looking for it and if you can, if you can kind of punch them right in the face with something that they're like, yes, that was good. Yeah. Not being like optimized for mobile. Isn't the thing holding you back. Yeah. Correct. And, you could take care of it very quickly, and it's not something to ignore forever. Mm-hmm. I, now there, there I agree is a- that it is the work is the primary concern here, right? Appealing to people, appealing to your customers, appealing to your audience is the primary concern. And if you can augment that with good technology that doesn't prevent people from connecting with your work, yeah. great, do that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there there's a separate question about like okay, the importance of mobile in terms of technology for your website. And if it's mobile friendly, I mean, now that's like a really big deal in terms of whether or not Google's paying attention to you. Well, and 50% of people are coming to websites on smartphones. Right. So like this is this is only going to be, but that's not what that's not what she's asking. She is asking about about specifically the words. And Mia, I think I would, if your words are great, I want to read them when I'm on a mobile. Because guess what? When I'm on a bus, what, how long? You were reading a, like a New Yorker article on your phone the other day, just yep. as we were like walking around. Very long form. And uh, because it's kind of nice to be able to pick it back up and get get back into it and stuff like that. I read I read I read a lot of novels. I read them all on my phone. Yep. Um. And so so the point is not is not the length of words. The point is is what am I getting out of this? What's in it for me? What, what, yep. what did you? What was W I I F M. Everybody's favorite radio station. <laughs> you know what, guys? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but we are all tuned into the same radio station. We love it so much. You know what it is? W I I I F M. What's Wait, now? You won't forget in it, it for me. Now you'll remember. That's it. right. I I F M. Now I could be. I <laughs> I might be dumber than a rattlesnake. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. I like couldn't. Dumber than a rattlesnake's rattler. You know what I mean. <laughs> Gosh, I, I just... It was darker than a black steer's focus <laughs> on a moonless summer night. I just shake that thing every time somebody looks at I it. I laid more pipe in Warbershaw County than All Warbershaw right. Plumbing. All right. <laughs> and we cut. That is uh, Grumpy Old Men. The definition of uh, oh, that was That was a good movie. That was a great movie. Both of them. Grumpy Old Men too. Woo. Gosh. All right, guys. Well, that is that is our Q&A episode for the day. We done done it. We pre- we did pretty good. Yeah. We, done we answered did. a lot of questions. What I'm hearing from from uh, people in this batch is is um, earlier on in the business. Okay, forgot my 
my site up, but no sales, should I be worrying? Um, what's my domain? Should I do this under my own domain name or do I want to figure out a clever brand and stuff like that? What about the mobiles? The mobile like holding me back? A handful of these questions, they, they all seem like kind of early on. So, uh, in closing here, any advice if you were going to, if you were going to say to like sort of a bunch, to a large group of people who are in this boat of like early on thinking about this stuff? I mean, what I would say is what you just said, Corbett, which is like, you're not thinking about the right, right questions, maybe. Maybe the hardest question in the whole world about this is simply, what can I make that's valuable to someone else? Totally. And instead, another way, it's what problem are you solving? Mm-hmm. Do you care enough about solving that problem to keep doing it for five years? And who are you solving that problem for? And, and I, would de- I would delete that second one. I would say, can you care about it, enough about it to spend three months making it and promoting it? Like that means you have two months to make it and a month to promote it. Because, because you could just, if you did that for like four or five ideas, do you know how much better off you'd be? Than, than if you sat and thought and like really planned about a good brand or something like that, right? So make your things, get it out there, but and really do think of like small and meaningful, super small, like razor tip point of the exacto knife. You can do this. Make something useful. Like think of someone who's struggling with something. Like your parents struggle with printers. Uh, now so now do I choose it here? Is there a is there a CD ROM that's supposed? To, what's uh? What? So it's it's got a loading box. What is that? Is it printing? I don't see it. It's not making any noises. You know, the way that your parents think about printers, you could solve problems like that. <laughs> You're still here. Congratulations. Not sure, I'm not sure where you were going with that. but <laughs> yep, I'm not it's, better, it's better if I had glasses so on and curly hair. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me up. just try to go ahead and uh, <laughs> summarize everything for you guys. <laughs> so here's the deal. I think at the end of the day, we all agree. Focus on solving problems for your customers. and Focus if, on the family. If that's your North Star, that's, right. that's going to be a good thing for your business, I think. And if you listen to this podcast and you're thinking about starting a business and you haven't yet tried Fizzle, you need to try Fizzle. We're you need it. to try Fizzle and you need to do the topic course. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. The uh, Everybody who I'm hearing from in this, I want them to take the topic course and then go straight into the audience that's course. That's true. All these questions were yep. kind of... You know, there, it's like, let's get to a, a, a greater level of confidence in the things that you're doing and, and, yep. and what it's for and who it's for because that will solidify so much. And it doesn't mean it has to be like for the next like forever. It just it just can be a really solid idea that you can get done short and sweet, right? Like our 30-day uh, challenge, launch anything in 30 days. Yeah. That's the kind of crap to do right now, guys. Yep. And the thing is, we don't say it enough, but we are we are constantly working together to try and build the very best place anywhere to help you make progress on your business week after week. And I truly believe that. And if you're looking for that kind of community, that kind of push, I don't, I haven't found a better place to do that than fizzle and I'm on the team. So maybe that sounds like, and if you do, you won't be here anymore. Yeah. More power (laughs) to you. So, uh, give it a try. Fizzle.co slash try five. Try five. Now that's just, that's $5 and I get a day for free, right? No, that is, you get a month, (laughs) five weeks for free. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. (laughs) I've been Barrett Brooks. I've been Steph Crowder. And we will see you there or we'll see See you on another time. So there you have it. Thank you so much, Michelle, Chloe, Heath, Sean, and Mia. See how I did that? Michelle, Chloe, Heath, Sean, and Mia. I'm getting pretty good. Look out, announcer for prices, right? I'm gunning for your job, pal. Thanks again, Michelle, Chloe, Heath, Sean, and Mia for your questions. We love, love, love hearing from you guys. And if you have a question you want us to answer on the air, just head to fizzleshow.co slash ask or shoot us an email at guys at fizzle.co. There's a lot of links from this episode, and you can find them all at fizzleshow.co slash 120. Not spelled out, just just the letters. Just, or not letters, sorry, just the numbers. F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 120. Here's an iTunes review. It starts in all caps, so um, pardon, pardon uh, what I'm about to do here. MUST LISTEN TO PODCAST! Yes, that's me screaming at the top of my lungs. Five days ago, I found the Fizzle Show's Entrepreneur Roadmap and have been binge listening to the podcast, taking notes ever since. Listened to over 20 episodes, signed up to Fizzle, and already did two of the courses. Yes, I'm already obsessed. That one comes to us from Sarah Kogan in the US of A. Sarah, I am so glad you have something new to obsess over. 
You know, our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. That is one of the most challenging things to do when you're working for yourself, is just to put one foot in front of the other every single day. And if you leave us an iTunes review, it can help other entrepreneurs find this show. So could you leave us a review? Simply search for the show in the iTunes store and click write a review. All right, folks, that's it. Uh, My hope for you, my benediction, as I raise my arms and tighten my priestly collar, I say, not for an easy or gentle or cloudless life, but for a heart fully awake and eyes alight with direction, potential, and joy. Find care, take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.